I wanted to share with you a fascinating push in Pasha's parents. It's the kind of thing that I'm holding a safe in front of me to show you that it says it inside because otherwise it's a kind of idea which I would be scared that perhaps you wouldn't believe me that it's actually written. We know that in the end of Pasha's Korach we have the story of the Shvatim coming to Moshe Rabbeinu and saying we understand Pasha's was punished. He was wrong for trying to, so to speak, disagree with Hashem's choice of leaders. And he was punished for that. Punished severely. He was swallowed by the ground. But, that doesn't answer the underlying question. And that is, it's true that right now Hashem didn't choose Korach to be a leader. He chose Aaron to be the Kohen. But, could Hashem choose another Shevet? Is there the possibility of other Shevet doing a Vayda as well? And therefore, are we barred from doing a Vayda forever or is it something we could still possibly do? And we know Moshe makes a sign to teach him this lesson. He takes 12 sticks and he puts them in the Kodesh HaKadosh. And he puts them in the Kodesh HaKadosh overnight and he brings them out the next day. And what's happened is Aaron's stick has blossomed, has flowered, has produced even little fruits, almonds, and other sticks are still drying down. And from that, Moshe proves that Aaron has been chosen in his Shavit, and the other Shvatim have been rejected from doing that work. And Klai Shal understand that, and it takes away any future hope on their part that they'll be allowed to be kind. That's the story of the Torah, we know it all well. Now listen to something amazing. There's a previous time the Torah talks to Aaron's stick. And that is, when Moshe and Aaron first meet Parah, and Parah says, No lachem Do something miraculous to prove that you're already sent by Hashem. So there the Apostle says that Aaron takes a stick, and he throws it on the ground in front of Parah, and it turns into a snake. And Parah is absolutely unimpressed by that. And he calls in his own sorcerers and his own wizards, and they also throw their sticks on the ground, and also throw into snakes. And then Pharaoh ridicules Moshe, he says, this was something of a divine nature, we can all do this, this is a joke. Are you bringing, so to speak, wizardry to me, right? But there's another point of the puzzle. And it says, Vayivla mata Aaron's Aaron's stick swallows all of this. And that was something that they couldn't argue with. There was definitely a superiority that Aaron's stick had over theirs. Aaron's stick swallowed all their sticks. Now on that pasuk is a baratorium. And the baratorium says that word matosam, their sticks, comes twice in the Torah. The one is in reference to the sticks of the sorcerers of Egypt. That Aaron's stick swallowed their sticks. And the other time that word matosam comes is in the context of our parsha. In the context of Aaron taking, of Moshe Benu, who put Aaron's stick between all the sticks of the other Shvatim in the Kodesh Kedoshim, and also uses the word Matosa. And on that, the Baratorium quotes an unbelievable Medrash. I don't know where this Medrash is, he doesn't give a reference for it. He says there is such a Medrash. And the Medrash says that just like in Mitzrayim, Aaron's stick swallowed all the other sticks, same thing that happened over here. Moshe puts 12 sticks down in the Kodesh Kedoshim, one representing each of the Shvatim, 
And then Aaron sticks promptly swallows all of this. And what happened the next day? The next day, Aaron, Moshe goes to the Kodesh and he sees only one stick, Aaron's stick. And therefore, Moshe takes the stick out of the Kodesh Kodashim. And then the Maraturim quotes Moshe saying, Aaron's stick splits out all of their sticks. And now all the 12 sticks are there. And he finds the allusion in the Pasuk. It says Moshe takes the, mat, the matos from the Kodesh Kodashim, and it says that the Vav. So it could be read matas, which is the singular. Moshe took a single stick out of the Kodesh Kodashim, the stick of Aaron. After it came out of the Kodesh Kodashim, it spits out all the other sticks, now we have 12 sticks again. But I have a question of myself. A question that we always ask. And that is, miracles don't happen for nothing. And therefore, if Hashem is doing such a tremendousness that a stick would swallow the other sticks, what's the reason for such a miracle? What does it add? What's it coming to teach? And the Baratarim himself, in passing, answers this question. And he says that the reason Aaron's stick had to swallow all the other sticks, he says, that's why the other sticks didn't bring forth fruit. What does that mean? It means that had all the sticks been left in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, they would have all borne fruit. They would have all put out leaves and blossomed. And the reason why they didn't, and only Aaron's stick was the one to bring forth leaves and blossoms, is it because it was the only stick in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. The other sticks had been swallowed, they weren't there. And therefore the Kodesh HaKadoshim had no effect on them. In which case, we understand the whole story differently. It's not that there was a special nice done for Aaron's stick, that even though it was a dead piece of wood, a dry stick, Hashem rejuvenates it and gives it flowers and blossoms to prove that he's the Kohen. It's exactly the opposite. Any stick left in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that's what would have happened. It would have blossomed and brought forth fruit. And the nest was the reverse. The nest was that Aaron's stick swallowed their sticks. And as a result of that, their sticks were not there. And because of that, the effect of, the, the, the effect of being in the Kodesh HaKadoshim didn't happen to their sticks. And they never brought forth fruit and blossoms. Which means the underlying principle, which is what I want to explain, is... Even a dead stick, if left in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, is going to sprout flowers, fruits, and blossoms. Now, we can find a proof to this point. There's a Gemara in Yomah that says, He planted a golden grapevine, which means a gold fashioned in the shape of a grapevine in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And the Gemara says, that this grapevine, which was made out of inanimate gold, was made out of metal. But nevertheless, every year it used to bring forth grapes. It used to produce fruits. And when the wind used to, used to blow, it said these grapes, these clusters of grapes would fall from this golden vine. Again, an amazing thing. We're talking about an inanimate material. We're talking about a metal, gold. Gold doesn't grow. Gold doesn't produce fruit. And yet the golden vine, which is in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, did grow and did produce fruit. Why did that happen? So we see an example of the same principle. That even something which is dead by nature, by nature but it's left in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, is going to start producing fruit. It's going to come to life. Let's explore this idea a little bit deeper. There's a question that the Marat Chayas asks. 
and that is that in Tehillim, David HaMelech ridicules Avedazar. He says, they dead statues. They're made with eyes that can't see. They're made with ears which can't hear. They can't speak with their mouths. They can't move their, their limbs. It's, what would one worship a dead, lifeless statue for? So Ratz Chais asks the question. And he says, the Ovda of Eirazara weren't that stupid. And they didn't think that their idol or their statue, something made out of clay or out of stone or whatever material it was made out of, was something which was a spiritual force that they were serving. They also saw that it couldn't do anything. What they understood was what they were creating a model or a statue of was something which represented a spiritual force. And they felt that this was the way that they were able to connect to that spiritual force. And therefore, just like to give an example, the Lamb of Egypt. Wasn't that they worshipped a defenseless, weak, vulnerable Lamb? But the Lamb here represented the zodiac sign of the Tle, of the Lamb in the heavens, which was, so to speak, the first of the twelve uh, constellations of stars which ruled the world. Mitzrayim saw themselves similarly to be the first empire, and therefore they felt that they had to worship the concept of the land. The physical land was just a representation. And if that's the idea, then you have a question. Because then the Ovda Vodazara also didn't believe that the statue they were worshipping was a source of power. They just saw it as a way to connect to a source of power. So what's David Amalek making fun of them? That the statues are inanimate? Of course, it's just a statue. It's just a representation. It's a great question, but the answer is even better. The Maratzchei says, he says, of course we know that's true. But the point is something else. The point is David understood that if this is what's being used as, so to speak, the conduit, through which you claim that some kind of divine flow, divine blessing is flowing, then if that's the case, if this is going to be something which is a recipient or a transfer of that force, of that life, of that koyach, then how come the life doesn't affect it itself? How can it remain dead and inanimate when it's being used to transfer life? Some which is, has to transfer life, has to transfer chius, has to transfer koyach, has to have so to speak, a connection to the Kayak too. And therefore, Dabar Amalek says, the fact that these statues are undeniably dead, are undeniably inanimate, can't use their eyes or their ears or their mouths, is a proof not just that they aren't a God in their own right, they aren't even a transfer point. Because something which is dead can't tr- transfer a live Kayak. And if that's the case, now I understand what we were saying better. You know, we were saying better because the Beis Hamikdash was the transfer point from Shemaim to Aretz. As we know, Hechad and Nashki Shemaim Aretz, which heaven and earth meet, is the Beis Hamikdash. That became the transfer point. That became the place through which the Shefa from Shemaim comes down to this world. And if that's the case, it had to be a source of life, because that's where life is passing through. And if that's the case, that source of life, that force was so strongly felt in the Kohen Shakadashim that even inanimate things would come to life. Even dead sticks would come, would blossom. Even metal grapevines would flourish. 
And therefore, the nice that Hashem did by showing the other Shvatim that they weren't meant to be Kohenim wasn't the fact that their sticks were left in the Kodesh HaKadoshim and remained dry sticks. It wouldn't have happened. It was more the nice was that Aaron's stick swallowed their sticks to show that they wouldn't, they had no place in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Because had they been in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, they would have flourished too. It's a fascinating chat. A new understanding in the concept. But, there's a lesson for us to learn from that also. And what's the to the Shirim, I think it's the lesson self-evidence. And that is, if a stick can flourish, and can come to life and produce flowers, when it's in an environment of Kedusha, then a person can flourish. When they're in a surrounding of Kedusha. You may not have the Kodesh HaKadoshim today, but the concept of Kodesh HaKadoshim we have. If a person is exposed to those places, a person is exposed to a source of Ruchnius, then it's going to cause him to grow as well. He's also going to get influenced by it. He's also going to grow from it. And again, this is a Pasuk. Tzadik HaTomer Yifrach. Ke'erez Balavon and Yiske. The Tzadik is going to so to speak, blossom. He's going to grow like a palm tree. Ka'eris. Ka'eris is an enormous cedar tree. He's going to flourish. Why? Because he's shusurim beves Hashem. He's planted in the house of Hashem. And therefore, being planted in the house of Hashem is going to cause sticks to grow, is going to cause gold to, to produce fruit, is going to cause a person to become great. If he's shusurim beves Hashem, if he's rooted, in the house of Hashem, then he's alive to that transfer of Ruchnis. That, and then he'll grow from that too. He'll get, benefit from it as well. Like I said before, we might, we might not have the source of Shefa of the Beis HaMikdash, which is being built. But Lema'isa, we still have the concept that there are points through which Shefa comes down to this world. And therefore, if a person is in a place through which the Shefa passes, then it's going to have an effect on him. It's going to help him to grow. How's it going to for us today? As we say, we might not have the avoided today, the base of Mikdash. But what takes the place of the base of Mikdash as the meeting point between Shemayim Varetz, as the place through which Shefa comes down to us, is the Ahira Mikdash Ma'at. It's our shuls, it's our yeshivas, it's our bate medrash, that they become the places through which the shiva comes down to us. And now, for the person who's shasul, the child who's rooted in such a place, it's going to have an effect on him. It's going to help him to grow. If we talk about chinuch as being made up of the primary education one can give, but then also so to speak, the education that one's in a situation to imbibe on their own, that they're going to grow from, even without someone has to give it to them specifically. So being in the environment of a base medrash, being in the environment of a base aknesis, of a yeshiva, is being in the environment of a place where there's growth, of a place where, through which growth comes down to this world, and therefore is in a place where a person is able to grow more. We can even say grow naturally.
and we found this Yisait. That just like in the base of Mikdash, the it was a center through which people who were there grew from it. Same thing, we don't the base of Mikdash. But the person is connected to a makam which is base chayenu, a place which is a base chayenu, rechem ki base chayenu, a source of life. So a source of life is alive. If life is being transferred from that point, then there's life there too. There's a famous Gemara. The Gemara says that Shlomo Melech planted the kinds of trees which grew anywhere in the world in Eretz Israel and they managed to blossom, they managed to produce fruit, even though it wasn't the right time for them. How did he do it? Because Shlomo Melech knew that everything flows from the base of Mikdash. And therefore the Gemara says he knew that there was, a, so to speak, a certain spiritual stream which comes from the base of Mikdash and goes towards India. And that's what's giving Chiyos to India. There was a certain stream which is coming from the base of Mikdash and going towards Africa. And that's what's giving Chiyos to Africa. And so on, another place, so too for other places as well. And therefore, along that line, the Gemara Midrash says, he planted those plants which were indigenous to India, and they grew. Because that's the channel of life of which the, the entire subcontinent of India is going to gain from. So, of course, if you have it as the source of that, it's going to produce that koyach. And therefore, pilpili, peppercorns, which something which naturally grows in India, but if you know where the channel, which is, so to speak, connected to India, is going to be, you can plant them they'll grow there too. He knew where the channel was, which was going to Africa, and therefore those species, fruits, which only grow in Africa, he planted them there and they were successful too. The same is said. The, the, the roots, so to speak, through which Chios transfers, have Chios in their own right. And therefore, if today, Klaishol's collective Chios is from our connection to our, our places of Torah study, our places of Tefillah, so then those places have Chios. And that Chios is expressed that by a person who is there, a person who finds himself in such a place, he's going to grow from it. And that's why there's such a maila in Chinuch of children spending their times in a base measure. Obviously, like Mr. Burr writes, if they're going to be in a situation where they're disturbing people there in the base measure, then it's better they shouldn't be there. But if they're not disturbing, just being in a base measure is a connection to a fierce. It's a connection to a koyach of Ruchnitz, which there is in such a place, and they're going to benefit from that. They're going to benefit from that. There's a maila. Even if a person isn't actively teaching their child, but they're in a place where there are people learning, so that's something they're going to grow from. It's a connection to Chiyos. When it came to the Avoida, Hashem was showing that only, only Aaron was wanted. And therefore the other sticks weren't allowed to remain in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And that's what prevented them flourishing. But when it comes to Avoida Hashem of today, when it's not specifically in the Beis HaMikdash, the Avoida of every Jew is wanted. And therefore anybody who remains in a place where there's a base Hashem, in a place where there's a connection to the Avodah Hashem of today, is going to grow from it, is going to flourish. Chazal even says this in the Pasuk, What's the plural? The Chatzus Elakeini. The base Hashem is the base of English. But there's also Chatzus Elakeini. There are also the courtyards of Hashem which are outside the base of English which are any place which is dedicated to Avodah Hashem. And there too, 
Somebody who's rooted, somebody who finds their place in that place of Edrush, you are free. You're going to flourish as well.